always, always, they do a great, great job. And it's not about, you know, I love the part because it's not about a performance. It's not about, boy, we went to see, we went to see Casting Crowns. And I'm going to tell you, we went to see that concert. Casting Crowns wasn't about a performance. Man, what a, what a heart that, that, that uh, main guy with them has. And, and, the, and the writing of those songs, if you've listened to their songs, they're full of scripture and scriptural principles. That's not always the case. And I love that our group, they're not up here to try to entertain you. That's not, that's not what this is about. This is, they're leading us in worshiping our risen Savior. Amen? So forgive me if I chastise you a little bit, if you're not, if you're not engaged, but this is not a spectator sport. You know, I watched a ball game yesterday. I watched, you know, a little ball game, and uh, that's a spectator sport. You can cheer and, and, and you can do whatever. You can sit there and drink a drink. We can do whatever you want to do. This isn't spectator sport. This is participatory. If you're a believer, this is engaging in, in worshiping our risen Savior. Amen? So, you know, I encourage you, be ready. Get up early. Get, get your coffee, whatever it takes. Get your caffeine going. Do some jumping jacks. Set your heart right to where when you come in here, you're ready to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen. All right, look, now I want to see, I don't, I don't know that I saw anybody, but I want to double check. Do we have any first-time guests with us? Today is your very first time here at First Baptist Geneva. If you are, if today's your first time, if you just slip your hand up. I'd, I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise you. All we're going to do is we've got a gift we want to give you. And uh, if that's you, right, oh, I, duh, right there. you got a, a, one row, whole, whole row over there. Excellent. Marvin, I'm not going to embarrass him. I'm going to embarrass you, if you don't mind, introducing your son to us this morning. This is our son, Jason, and uh, we're privileged to have him visiting with us. And then next year, we are thankful. Thanks. Going to be here all week with you, huh? Till Wednesday. From Spring, was it Springfield, Missouri? Okay. Says it's a lot warmer here. Folks love to come to Florida this time of year. Amen. They don't want to come when it's 95. I, I, I get it. I want to go somewhere else in the summer too. Well, turn your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, to do, I've said this before, I'm going to do this today, okay? So put your seatbelts on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move quick. I got a lot. I'm going to try to get through. My goal is to get through chapter 7. I'm ready as well as you are to be done with chapter 7, okay? And uh, I want to say this disclose, disclaimer before I go into this today. Um, because what we've been talking about is marriage and divorce and remarriage. We don't have enough time. If I preached every, I could preach marriage, divorce, remarriage probably every sun, Sunday uh, for a year and still not cover everything. If we're going to be exhaustive, okay? If I'm going to cover every scenario. So with what I've already preached and what we're going to cover this morning, if you've got questions, I invite you to come ask. I don't, have all, I don't have all the answers, but I will say this. There's a lot of caveats when you talk about this. So it's not as, there, there, some things are very black and white when it comes to divorce, marriage, or remarriage. Some things are not so black and white. So if you're like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really sure what this means. That's exactly where you ought to be. You ought to be asking those questions. Someone made a comment when you, when you deal with this topic and it comes to a situation of, of divorce or going, do I get, and, and you go, man, this is a, this, you got to work through this. You got to study it out and it's work. It's hard work. And if, if you're talking about whether you should leave someone or not, or you should get a divorce or not, man, that's hard stuff. It ought to be hard. Amen. 
It ought to be hard. And, and the problem is today in America, it ain't hard. Culture, it's no fault divorce. That's bull. Excuse me. Probably shouldn't say that either, kids. Uh, that's just not true. Look, no fault. Somebody's at fault. Usually, I, I, don't, I don't know if a marriage, if a, it, I, I don't know if a marriage won that, that has failed that was 100% one person's fault. Now, they may have done the majority of the damage, but man, it takes, it, there's always, because you know what I know? I know as good a husband as I am. As wonderful a man of God and loving saint of God and how wonderful I love my wife. I'm just not perfect, okay? Amen. <laughs> I was waiting on that, Henry. I'm a long way from it. No, I, 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 I hope y'all picked up on the sarcasm. That was supposed to be dripping with sarcasm. Because, you know, Gina, she's the patient one. And, and as good as she is, she's not perfect. We, there's always this two sides. And there's things that happen. So look, if you got questions about this when we finish up and you go, but I don't understand in this situation or in that situation. Look, that's why you have to look at it and you go back to Scripture. What does the Scripture say? And, and I want to say this up front. It's like I said last week. Um, it, it, regardless of where you are, God forgives. Amen. The mistakes we make. I, I'm amazed at how hard we want to work to make my divorce or my remarriage okay. But we don't fight that hard to make lying okay. We don't say that God lowered the bar when it comes to lying. The Bible says, thou shalt not lie. Well, we don't have these long debates about, well, what does that mean? You know, if, if, you know, if I'm in the office and someone says, you know, does my hair look bad today? What do you, what do you say? You know, do I, do I tell the truth or do, do I tell a little fib? Do I, you, you, we don't get in those discussions. We don't try to, you see what I'm saying? We, we, there's a lot of things we try to explain away uh, or, or, or we don't get as caught up in as we do when we're talking about marriage. And we should. Marriage is a big, big deal. Divorce is a huge deal. Grieves the heart of God. But let me say this. Wherever you are, wherever you are right now, you walk with God. Amen. Okay? If there's sin in the past, confess it. Just get it right with God and then walk with God where you are right now. Serve him with your whole life. Your marriage, even if it was the circumstances leading up to it were bad or whatever, it can be a sanctified marriage that honors God. Amen. So hear that up front. All right. That's free. Uh, we'll receive the offering now. And um, all right. So you got seatbelts on and uh, let's let's go. We're, we're going to pick up in verse 12. But before we get there, I want to recap again what we've already looked at. So the, 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 the first part of this, verses 10 through 16, which we've been in now for, I guess this is the third week on this very part of it, is the, to keep your marriage vows. That's, the, that's the, the heading for this. And so in recapping what we've learned so far, Matthew 19, 6, just to go back there, the Lord said this, he said, So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. He doesn't put any exceptions right there. He doesn't say, you know, in this situation do this or that. He said, let no man separate. It means, and what he's saying is the only one who can separate a marriage, divide a marriage, is God himself. It's his, that's his business when we enter into this. So we've learned that marriage is to be lifelong, covenantal, monogamous, and between male and female. Scripture explicitly prohibits believers from marrying non-believers. Uh, we, we've learned that God hates divorce, but God does not hate people who have been divorced. Um, divorce is not the unpardonable, unforgivable sin. Uh, but divorce is always the result of sin. It always is. 
So the goal, the goal for the sincere follower of Christ is always moving toward forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. That should always be our goal. If we want to go back and you go, well, you know, I've just, we've got to separate, okay? Well, if you have to separate, and there are times you have to, then it should be for the goal of forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. Well, you know, that hasn't worked, so we're going to have to go through with the divorce. And sometimes that is something that has to happen, and it grieves the heart of God. But if that's the case, it should always be for the purpose of forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration. Not so that I can wash my hands of them and just move on with my life. That should not be the goal if I'm a faithful, sincere follower of Christ. My goal should always be coming back, trying to see that person get right with God and the relationship be restored because we committed to it for a lifelong relationship, okay? It doesn't always work. So don't, don't get mad now and go, oh, I'm not listening to anything else he says because he doesn't know my situation. I don't know your situation. But I'm telling you that for the child of God who's walking with God, that's what we should do. That's the way you went. You know what? May not have done that in the past. Might not have been there with the Lord then. I'm talking about right now, where you are, this is where it ought to be. And that is the heart of God on this. So there is there's one potential except exemption that we talked about last week. And it's found in, um, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. It says, But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. So divorce, it, 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 by some believe that divorce is acceptable in the case of sexual immorality. I was sharing with someone this morning. I was reading yesterday, reading up more on this. And one of the commentaries, great writer, godly man, said this. He said, sexual immorality dissolves the marriage relationship. That, that statement, I, I, I cannot agree with that statement. Because that statement doesn't say that sexual immorality could dissolve or could be a reason for it to end. It was a, it's a blanket statement that says sexual immorality dissolves the marriage relationship. Which means if someone messes up, there's sexual immorality in the marriage, the marriage is done. That's what, that's what that statement says. We have to be careful with our words, right? And that, when you say that, that means there is no forgiveness from that. You don't have to forgive them. That has destroyed the marriage. It cannot be reconciled. And that is not the heart of God, folks. So they would say that divorce is acceptable in the case of sexual immorality. We talked about last week that Jesus does not lower the bar in marriage because of our sin nature. He doesn't lower the bar in any area of our life. We're to, our goal is to be like him. Are we ever going to measure up to that? No. We're not, going to, we're not going to, but it should be our goal. We should strive in every area of our life to be like Christ and to live like Him. So if there is freedom to divorce, and, and, and I'm saying if, because I, I personally don't come down on the side of that, that believe, I don't particularly believe that's what that verse teaches us. I'm not going to build my theology on one verse when we have a whole lot of other verses that speak differently from there. Okay, So... There are people a whole lot smarter than me that believe that is there. I, I, I personally don't believe it is. But let's just say this. If there is freedom to, to divorce in that situation, the Bible never clearly states a biblical uh, permission to remarry. So if we're going to function according to the Scriptures, we need to know what the Scriptures say. Scripture never gives a clear, well, if there was sexual immorality, then you're free to go do what you want to do now. You, if you want to remarry, you can. it does not explicitly say that. Now, you can, some, if they believe there's that exemption, 
then they could believe that there's the exemption to go and remarry, okay? So it's, it's how are you going to believe on that? Only in the case of death of a spouse is someone clearly free to remarry. Now, I'm going to come back to that thought here in just a little bit, so hang with me. So remember, reconciliation and restoration are always the goal, always the goal for us as believers. It's obvious that Jesus was stating that marriage was permanent. If you go back to Matthew 19, you don't have to turn there, but you remember the, that's where the Pharisees were testing him. That's where the exemption clause is supposedly there that, that uh, if a man divorces his wife except for the case of sexual immorality and marries another, he commits, or, or he commits adultery or she commits, causes them to commit adultery. And, and so verse 10, now he tells that. He's dealing with the Pharisees who are trying to trick him. Verse 10 then, look what his disciples said. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. And we've already discussed what he's saying is marriage is a lifelong commitment. Let's go back to what I established. Now, he's saying I. What was it? Because he did it. It's him and the Father and the Holy Spirit. The three in one did this. He was there. He knows what marriage is, what it was, what it's supposed to be. He knows. And he's telling them what it's supposed to be. And, and so as he's laying this out and they're understanding that he's taking a very, very, very ultra-conservative view of marriage based... Uh, Contrary to what was the culture of the day, much like what we would be doing right now, we're contrary to what anybody's belief in here ought to be ultra uh, alternating or, or, or ultra against what the culture is saying out there, right? Amen? That ought to be, and that's what he was doing. His disciples, though, they, they're in a culture that says, you know, some of the teaching was you can divorce your wife for any reason. Man, if you, you've been married five years and you're just tired of her, you don't like, you know, she put on a little weight or, or whatever, you know, you, you know, you don't like the way she looks in the morning. Uh, whatever, you know, you can get rid of her. That, 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 and so he's saying this, and you can imagine some of them going, whoa, 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 wait a, wait a minute. You mean, you mean if I marry her, I'm, I'm, excuse me, ladies, this is what they were thinking. You mean I'm stuck with her? No, 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 it means she's stuck with you. That's what it, that's what it means. She's stuck with you. But that's what, that's what so they, they come back and they're, man, if that's the case, if that's the case with marriage, it's better that we not even get married. Um, it's just better not to marry. You can see, look, they had, they had some hard heart in it. They had some, they had some liberal view of marriage. They, had a little, they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't all in with what Jesus was saying. Verse 11 then, but he said to them, all cannot accept the same, but only those to whom it has been given. Verse 12, for there are eunuchs. Now, wait a minute. Eunuchs. We're talking about marriage, and now we're talking about eunuchs. Uh, verse 12, for there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. Now, that means they're, they're born celibate. They're, they're, uh, who knows what a eunuch is? Okay, I don't want to have to explain this. Everybody knows what a eunuch is? Do you, do you not know? <laughs> they're celibate, okay? So they're, they're, uh, if someone who is a eunuch from birth is someone who either doesn't have the drive or they, uh, if there is some uh, deformity, perhaps, could not be in a sexual relationship. Okay, does that help you understand that? Okay, so some are born that way. Some have no drive at all, have no desire to be in a relationship, no drive for sex. They don't want to be married, none of that. Some are from the mother's womb. And, and so uh, why is it, why is Jesus talking about eunuchs here? Well, he's not. What he's talking about, and, and hear what he's saying, he's talking about singleness and celibacy. They're saying, oh, if that's the case with marriage, then, man, we ought not even get married. And the Lord's saying, okay, well, you think you can handle that, huh? 
Um, so there are eunuchs. There are those who are born that way. Then there are, there are eunuchs who were uh, made eunuchs by men, and that's celibacy forced on people, and that's um, people who are castrated, different things like that. Horrible, horrible uh, punishment, cruel, uh, just incredible that that would have been done, but it was. It was a common practice for slaves or different things like that in those days, so they would have understood exactly. So they've been made that by someone else. Uh, but then the third, and then there, he says there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Now, he's not saying they castrate themselves or anything like that. What he's saying is they have chosen a life of singleness and a life of celibacy. They're going to remain pure. They're going to, re- if they're going to remain a virgin. Let's put it that way. They're not going to be in immoral sex outside of marriage, and they're not going to get married and have sex within a marriage. They've chosen singleness and celibacy. They've made themselves a eunuch. And why? They've done it for heaven's sake, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. They've done it for God's glory. And, and so he says, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Hey, if you can do that, praise God. If you can stay single, and, and, and that's going to give you opportunity to serve me and be focused on me and, and to love me and give all attention to me, then praise God. But that's not for everybody. So if you want to live single life, then go for it. It's great. If that's what the Lord has for you, that's a great thing. That's a great thing. But understand that when you marry, you are marrying for life. You are marrying for life. Uh, do not enter into marriage lightly. We've had a couple of couples that recently uh, got married. And, and you know what? I counseled, I counseled with one. I, the others I talked to a little bit, but it's an important, important thing. When you go into that marriage, it is for life. Your mentality is for life. You, until, until death do we part. So divorce is not an option. Murder, we've talked about murder, may be. That's, that's one of the outs, but not divorce, okay? So if God calls you to marry, then marry in His grace and for God's glory. Amen? And if he calls you to remain single, then remain single in his grace and for God's glory. Okay? That's what it should be. So now, let's go to verse 12. First uh, Corinthians 7, verse 12 says, But to the rest I, not the Lord say, he is still writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What Paul is saying is that the Lord has not already spoken on this. The Lord hasn't spoken on it. He's not saying what I'm saying is not, not inspired of God because, because Paul, Paul's writing was inspired of God. He's going to say here, the Lord hasn't written it. Remember earlier he said, I, I don't command here. The Lord has already spoken this. This is not for me. Right here is saying, I command. So he says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if she is willing to live with him, let her not divorce him. This is very unique. It's not unique. It's probably very common today for different reasons. But in that day, it, it was somewhat common because what you had is, you think about this, there weren't a lot of believers. Paul goes in and plants a church in Corinth. He starts winning people to the Lord. So what inevitably is going to happen is a married couple, he witnesses to the husband or he witnesses to the wife. One or the other gets saved. So now you have a marriage that is unequally yoked. Well, we know we should not marry as a believer, should marry someone who's lost. What he was saying here is, if, if now you're a believer and your spouse is not, he's saying, don't leave them. If they'll stay with you, don't leave them them. 
they, they do not believe, but if she's willing to live with you, if he's willing to live with you, don't leave them. And, and so what, he, what he's saying is you can't say, you know, I'm a Christian now and I can't, can't acknowledge you as my wife or as my husband any longer. So I have, to do, I have to put you out. That is not at all what Paul is saying here. He's saying you, if they will stay with you, you stay with them. And this could be the case uh, when an unbelieving couple gets married, one spouse comes to saving faith in Christ. Uh, but this should not be the case. This should not be the case because of a, a, a Christian who marries against God's will, marries someone who's not a Christian. Okay, so especially today when we think about this, and I see it, it, it happens often. I will not perform that wedding. Okay, so if, 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 if I counsel with someone and this one is a believer and this one, it's obvious they're not. Pastor Aaron, I, I think you're pretty strong on that. You wouldn't marry them, would you? I'm not, I won't marry them. I'm not going to marry, I'm not going to put them in, it's contrary to scripture, okay? So I'm not going to do that ceremony. So go down to the justice peace if you, you know, if you want to do that. Don't ask for a church wedding and, and ask me to perform you. You, you went, preacher, you're being too hard. No, I'm being biblical in that. So, but what, what can happen is then you have someone, this is not the case here, but it still should be the case. So a Christian marries a non-believer and they got problems in there. Look, if they're willing to stay, you, you with them, you married them, you stay with them. You, you chose that unbeliever thinking, well, I'll change them. Bad, bad counsel. That's three weeks ago. Go back and watch that one on the, okay. Verse 14. Verse 14, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. He is not, uh, he's not saved by her faith. She is not saved by his faith. That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's, if that's what Paul was saying, Paul's speaking heresy. He's just changed the gospel. So that's not what he's saying at all. Um, but here's what happens. The unbeliever is set apart in a special relationship uh, where he will or she will be intimately exposed to the believer daily. Okay, so there's the opportunity. He or she, can, can, that, that believer then can be a great witness of Christ's love and goodness through their walk of faith and their testimony. You know, imagine that. The, 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 the person comes to faith in Christ and you know what? Now they get up in the morning and, and they get up and they got a smile on their face and they get their coffee and they sit at the table and they read the Bible and they have prayer. And every day that non-believer sees that. And they see the change in that person's life. They see the change that God has made in them. And that's the idea here is that they are sanctified. That home is set apart for God. You think about the Philippian jailer when he came to faith. What must I do to be saved? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved and your whole family. It wasn't, it wasn't that Paul was saying there, you know, you get saved so your whole family is Christians. But the idea is you get saved and you model that with your family. It can have the domino effect with your whole family. They can come to faith in Christ. That's the idea. So if they'll stay with you, believer, if the unbeliever will stay with you, stay with them. And, and the children, think about the children in that case. So you're a believer and, and, and they're not. And so you want to divide from them and maybe maybe the kids, you know, worst case scenario, they're not even with the spouse that's a believer. So now they're, they're totally away from that. So when you're together, there's the opportunity for the believing spouse to have the impact and the influence on that child for Christ. Amen. Amen. That's that's that, that's the importance of that. Um, but then there's, there, there are situations where the unsaved spouse will not remain. They'll, they want to leave. So verse 15, but if the unbelieving uh, if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. 
A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. So what he's saying is, look, don't fight. If, if you're a believer, you're married to an unbeliever, and they just say, you're a nut. You are absolutely a nut. I'm sick of this. I want out. Then, then you can't force them. He says, well, let them go. And, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, but there's some who would say that this is the second exemption clause. That if you're a believer and the non-believer deserts you, then you're free now. Now you're free. They deserted you. You're free to, to get divorced. And, and those who teach that again, teach the, that there's the freedom to, to remarry. I'm going to contradict that because I'm going to, we're going to look at the scripture and see why I don't believe that that's what Paul is telling us to do here. Um, I believe what Paul says, look, the freedom is this. He, remember in the early part of chapter 7 when he talked about the responsibilities of husband and wives, our responsibilities to each other. I don't, I don't, own, I don't own me. You know, I'm third in line there. I just thought of that. God owns me, but Gina owns me. I, I, I really should submit to her, and she submits to me. That's the way that should be. We submit to the Lord, right? So that's the way. And, and the verse, I believe, is saying, look, you're not in bondage. So now you don't, you're not obligated to, to meet their needs, as we talked about a few weeks ago. You're not obligated in that. At this point, you're free. So you can, if they choose to leave, they leave. You, you, you're free from that. You're not obligated to, to meet any certain requirements in that. But... I think Paul's hard on this, and we're going to see this, is, is let them leave, live in widowhood. Live, at that point, live like, like they're dead, but live to the glory of God, okay? Live for the Lord Jesus Christ and live to His glory. Don't look around for another mate. Keep praying for your spouse because they're still your spouse. At that point, they're still your spouse. They wanted to leave, let them leave. But your goal as a believer is to reconcile. Amen? You want them to come to faith so you can break. There's a reason you married them. At some point, you love them. You probably still love them. So you want to make that work. If it can work, you want to make it work. They insist on a divorce. Let them be the ones to initiate it. You say, I want this marriage back. I still love you. I want, I want you. I want you to have what I have. You do all you can to bring forgiveness and reconciliation and restoration. Amen? And that's what, that, that's what I believe they should do. So, like I said, there are those who believe... And teach that if the unbelieving spouse leaves, then the believing spouse at that point is free to get a divorce and free to remarry. Again, assuming these things, assuming, um, assuming the freedom to remarry. Because I don't see the freedom to remarry in Scripture other than the case of the death of a spouse. So only where it's explicitly said, then you can, you can, you're free to remarry. Okay, So you've got to be careful with assumptions, and I say that, and I'm going to make one here in a minute, but uh, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Verse 16, it says, for, for how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? And I think it captures the heart of what, what Paul is saying and what God would say, is that don't be the one to destroy the marriage. Don't be the one to, to, to kill that marriage and to divide what God put together. You, you hang on till there's nothing left to hang on to. You do everything as a believer. You do everything possible to make that marriage work. Now, there's a time where that marriage will be done. Let me give you a couple examples. And I don't see... Uh, oh, I do see. There's Daniel. Do you mind if I use you as an illustration? Okay. I didn't think you would. If you did, I'd got another one. So I was ready. I hate to put you on the spot like that, like you were going to say, No! 
Um, but you could say no. All right. So here, here's the deal. Jackie knew the Lord. Daniel didn't know the Lord. What if Jackie says, you know what? I love the Lord. I love Jesus. I want to be in church. And Daniel, you know, I give him credit when he first came here. He came to church. He, he told me, he says, I love that my family loves coming to church. I want to come and support them. We had that conversation. He, she wanted to join the church. He said, that's fine. You can go join the church. I ain't getting baptized. I'm not joining the church. I don't want anything to do with that. But I'll, I'll come and support y'all. And he told me, he said, I'm glad my family loves coming here. They love coming. Jackie loves coming. The kids love coming. That's a great, great thing. But she said, I'm going to stay with him. He, he's not saved. She is saved. She's praying for him. She's, she's asking us to pray for him. Amen. And what does God do? God saves him. And that family's, that family's different. Amen. Yeah. That, that's the way that should work. Um, Gina's grandparents, Jim and Nancy Hanley, I've shared this before. Nancy and Jim got married, shouldn't have gotten married. Uh, Jim, Jim was not a believer. She married him, and, and man, and, and she, you know, they had a couple of kids together, and then, and then you know, he's, he's a drunk. He, he's running around on her. You know what Nancy did? Maybe one of the godliest women I know. Every time she went to church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, y'all pray for Jim. Pray that Jim will get saved. I mean, faithfully, Sunday school class, any time there was an opportunity, y'all pray for Jim. Pray that Jim will get saved. Pray that Jim will get saved. You know how long it went on? 17 years she requested prayer that Jim Hanley would get saved. One Sunday morning, she went home from church, and Jim Hanley met her at the door, a different man. He got saved. Amen. He had heard the gospel and God got a hold to his heart and Jim Hanley got saved and met her at the door, a whole new man. 17 years. I think the eternal is a whole lot more important than the 17 years. Amen? That's God's desire. That's God's plan. And those things don't happen if we, as the believer, kill what God has put together. We shouldn't be the one to do that. So don't remarry. Remain single and pray for their conversion. Um, again, do not, as a faithful follower of Christ, be the one to destroy what God joined together. Don't be the one to do that. So if it is destroyed, let it be the other that destroys it. All right, so I'm going to say this here. And, and here I'm kind of going against what I've already said that you shouldn't do. But I, I, and I can't prove this with, again, explicitly prove this with Scripture. But I believe it fits in the heart of the Scriptures. Okay. So say that we, we're married. Uh, you know, we've already talked about we're married as long as our spouse is alive. As long as that person is alive. When we're married, they're, they're your spouse. You guys, y'all can divide if you want to, but you still won. There's, there's, there's one A and one A. And you might do that, but you're still this. And so you're, you're there. And, and uh, so as long as you're alive, they're your spouse. Now, let's say something happens and they, they want to separate. Within the, the one wants the divorce. You don't want the divorce. You want to do what's right in that, okay? And they, they insist on the divorce. So what do I do? Am I, should I wait? Yeah, you should wait. You should wait and you should pray and you should write them letters and you should, you know, not harass them, like stalk them and make them get restraining orders. But you should you should let them know that you love them and you want that relationship restored. You should do what what is right in the relationship. Amen. And so the, the, they, they then insist on the divorce and then that person goes and remarries. Well, scripturally, you can't go back to them. 
When they've remarried, when they've remarried, they married someone else, you can't go back to them. The answer is not, oh, well, I got saved. I'm going to divorce this one now and go back to my first wife. Because No, because what's happened is that marriage then is dead. You with me? That marriage is dead at that point. I think, again, I just, I th- I, this is me. Not even under the inspiration. I'm not like Paul. Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what, what I believe in the context of Scripture, that at that point, that marriage is dead. And I believe the person, the single, the other person then at that point would be free to remarry if they chose. It's like being widowed because that spouse is dead to you at that point. Does that make sense? You can agree or disagree. I'm not going to take offense either way. I, I just wanted to, to state that. Um, so I believe in that case that the, 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 the spouse who did not initiate that divorce or the remarriage, I believe that at that point that they're innocent. They could, they could remarry if they so chose. But Paul would say, hey, stay single. Serve me. Give me, give me your life. Let me, let me guide you. And in any case, you, you should be led of the Lord whether you marry or, or don't marry, right? Amen? Okay. So the problem we got today is we have so many, so many people in, in our culture, so many people even within the church who play loosely with vows and, and the commitments that they made before God. And, and it's, it's just, even within the church, there's the mentality of if it doesn't work out, there's always divorce. That should never be our, 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 our heart on that. So marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and His church. The redeemed and marriage is to be for life. That should be our goal. That should be what we're striving to do. Uh, we should be more like Hosea. Y'all know the story of Hosea and Gomer? And Gomer ran off. She, she was a prostitute. He marries her, and, 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 and he loved her. And she runs off, and what does he do? He goes and gets her. And she runs off again. I think there's a point where she's being sold, and he goes, and what does he do? He buys her. And, and he ends up winning her because of his love, his commitment. That ought to be our heart as believers, more so than, than the heart of the Israelites in Moses' day that wanted a divorce for any reason, or, or like... The, 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 the world around us who says, well, you know, for whatever reason, I should be able to get a no-fault divorce. We just don't like each other. You know, it's irreconcilable differences. You know, it's amicable. It's amicable. You know, Tom Brady right now going through a divorce, and they put out their statements that, you know, we, lo- we still love each other and we're still friends. Uh, some, uh, but that's, a, that's a great expression of love. That should not be the case in the family of God. Amen? We should, we should strive for it to be more than that. So marriage and divorce and remarriage is, is like an onion. There's lots of layers, and sometimes it stinks, and it can make you cry, right? It's, that's, what it, that's what it's like. And, and uh, so here's what I'm going to do. You guys, are, you guys are getting out good because i got three more pages, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick up right there next week. Um, I've probably I've probably created as many questions over the last three weeks as I have answered. Okay, and some people have reached out to me, and and had some questions, and I appreciate that. I don't I'm, I don't have every answer, but I will tell you as clearly as I can from Scripture, whatever the situation. I had a I had a great question, uh, and it, and the question was, well, that doesn't seem fair. I knew, that was the, I knew that was the thought because that's what most of us think. In that situation, the, the, so this spouse has cheated on me or this spouse has done whatever and, and they're the guilty party. Uh, you mean I, I should stay single? That doesn't seem fair. And I go back to show me in scripture where it's about fair. 
It's about holiness. Adam and Eve might have whined about it being fair in the Garden of Eden, right? Well, it's not fair. We only ate one piece of fruit. Mo- Moses might not have thought it was fair that he didn't go to get to go into the promised land because he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. The Israelite who put his hand on the ark to stabilize it and keep it from falling, he might have thought it was unfair. David thought it was unfair. David got mad. God had to deal with David on that. But, but so, so that, that, that question was a question most people have. It was a great question because we, we think, well, that's not fair. God's not interested in fair. God's interested in holiness. And when God says it, he means it. And we should live our lives as believers, not compromising like the world. Who wants to tear down marriage, folks? Who? Satan. Everything. The, all the, 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 the stuff going through right now that the politicians are working on, trying to, trying to defend marriage. They're not defending marriage. They're, they're, the respect for marriage. They're tearing up marriage. It's just again and again. They want to do away with it all so that you're the fool for getting married. No, that's what God's plan is. And, it, and, it, and doing it God's way is the way we should do it. Yep. Amen? Amen? That should be what we do, is live God's way and, and, and love God's way and serve God's way and do what He wants us to do. And uh, I'll go back to our missionary. Some might think, some will think. And there'll be people who say, what a waste. What a waste. God's ways are not our ways. Right. He, he under, he, he, his mind is infinite. And ours is puny. We can't see the eternal. We can't see the full impact of these things. God is good. And everything he does is good. And what he wants us, the way he wants us to live our lives is good. It's all there's reason he does that. And it's not to hurt us. It's not to make life difficult or painful. When we live it his way, man, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And even when bad things happen, that maybe you were innocent and the other person did you wrong. You know what? God won't do you wrong. He won't do you wrong. And he'll take you through that. But live it out his way. Pastor Aaron, you can come. Unless y'all want me to go to the other four pages. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use some restraint. It's 1130. I'm going to use some restraint this morning. And we can, we can pick up there. Uh, hey, that'll, that, no, I won't do that tonight, promise. I won't do that tonight. So, so um, you know, how do you do an invitation for this? Here's the invitation. If you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, just know this. Our sin, our sin, your sin, my sin, we've all sinned, has separated us from God. And there's nothing that we can do There's nothing that we can do of ourselves, through ourselves, any works that we can do to be reconciled to God. We're hopeless. We're lost and dying in our, we're not dying, we're dead in our trespasses and sins. But God saw that. God, because of his great love for us, sent his son Jesus Christ to come to this earth and he, he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross of Calvary. He took your sin. He took my sin upon himself. He became our sin. He was our substitute. He took our place. He took our judgment He took that for you. He died on the cross and three days later he rose again from the dead. And he proved then. He wasn't some loon as they thought. He wasn't a lunatic. He wasn't some liar. He is Lord. He is God in flesh. And because he rose from the dead, he proved he was God. He proved he can do what he said he would, would do. 
And what he did now is said, listen, if, if you will confess your sin, you confess that you're a sinner and, and you turn from that, you repent, that changing of mind that I'm going to get there my way. No, 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 I can't get there my way. I want to call on the name of Jesus. I want to trust in him. He is the only way. He is the way, the truth, the life. And no one comes to the Father but by him. And this morning, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then I would, I would plead with you today. I would beg with you to, to come forward and let, us, let someone take the scriptures and walk you right through the gospel and introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. You can know this morning. You don't have to wonder. Well, you know, I hope. The gospel is not a hope so gospel. It's a no-so gospel. And the scriptures are very clear what, what is required for salvation. If you've never done that, this, if you've never trusted Christ, if this morning you're sitting there with even 1% doubt, if you've got 1% doubt, I'm not sure you may not be saved. You, you need to nail that down. So I'd invite you to come forward this morning. Uh, I also know that you may have something on your heart this morning that has nothing to do with what I preached. There may be a burden on your heart this morning. That burden may be a person that needs to know the Lord Jesus Christ. That burden may be a physical uh, situation. That burden may be a financial situation. But whatever it is, this is an altar that this morning you could come down here and have a time of prayer and cast that on the Lord. So we invite you. There's something about moving in an invitation. There's something about taking that step out and coming to an altar and praying and dealing with it right now. Not waiting till later, because we won't. Deal with it now. If God's speaking to your heart on something, deal with it now. If you'll stand. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth that you give us. So many things are so clear, Lord, and yet there's still things that, that uh, we, we struggle with. But there's so much black and white. There's so many things that, Lord, you make it abundantly clear to us. Father, help us not to get caught up in, in, the, in the weeds and be distracted by the gray areas and neglect the black and the white. Lord, may we be obedient to the clear instruction from the Word of God. Just, Lord, if, we, if we, we've got a lifetime of work to do, if we would just obey the clear direction and guidance and instruction that's given in your Word. So help us to do that. Father, if there's burdens on hearts this morning, I pray that... Lord, you would just work in each one. Whatever the need is, God, would you have your will and way? Would you bless? Father, if there's need of prayer this morning, we're here to pray. So, Lord, bless now in this invitation. We'll praise you in Christ's name we pray.